0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, Jesus is at the house of a Pharisee for dinner on the Sabbath day. That's the occasion for the text, the gospel lesson. And they are all watching each other. The Pharisees are watching Jesus, and Jesus is watching them. Now, the Gospel reading this morning has two parts, and, and this is what it involves. The Pharisees have their eye on Jesus, and Jesus is going to react to that. And then Jesus has His eye on them, and He is going to react to them. Now, the Pharisees are watching Jesus because they're trying to see what He's up to, but more than that, they are trying to catch Him in a sin. They're trying to catch him doing wrong. Here's how the Gospel reading starts. One Sabbath, when he, went, he Jesus, went to dinner at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. You see it? They might be talking amongst themselves and doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing at a dinner party, but they're always looking over their shoulder to see if, if they know what Jesus is up to. And then Jesus is watching them back. Later in the text, verse 7 in Luke chapter 14, it says Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor so that Jesus is also keeping an eye on them. Now the all-out hostility between Jesus and the Pharisees had not yet begun, but it is brewing under the surface here and tensions are high. The Pharisees are looking for an opportunity to get after Jesus, and he knows it, and so he's going to give them occasion. <laughs> he asked the question in verse 3, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? Now, this is such a fantastic question that Jesus asked. The rabbis had spent centuries sorting out what was legal or illegal to do on the Sabbath day. They had determined, for example, that you could spit on a rock, but not on the dirt, because that would be watering the plants. (laughs) They had sorted out that you could write one letter, but not two, because that would be communicating and doing some sort of work. They had determined, I think this is my favorite, that if you were holding something in your hand, and your hand was sticking out the window or out the door and all of a sudden the sun went down and it was the Sabbath day, it was illegal to bring your hand back into the window because that would be bringing something from one place to another. So whatever you were holding out the window, you had to drop. (laughs) Or hold it for a day, I guess. They had decided that it was not illegal to carry water if it was rain that went onto your garments during the day as you were walking around, but it was illegal to wring it out. I mean, they had sorted out everything. Any sort of occasion, they had thought of it all. Now there were, to be very fair, there were exceptions to these legalisms if a woman was giving birth, for example, on the Sabbath. There were all sorts of exceptions to be made, not only for her and the baby, but everyone who was helping her to ensure that the child was born safely. There was no restrictions if there was to be a circumcision, if the Sabbath fell on the eighth day of a little boy's life, and they could do that work. If a house or a barn fell over, the people and animals inside needed to be rescued. Work could be done on the Sabbath day to rescue them. And Jesus is going to refer to these exceptions in a few verses. But before that, he simply starts with this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? Now, this is the one thing that they hadn't wondered about. Is it lawful to perform miracles on the Sabbath or not? Is it lawful to do what only God can do on the Sabbath or not? What a question. The rabbis hadn't asked the question because performing a miracle was not an option for anybody. But Jesus doesn't fit into their categories, you see. He's God and man. He is the one who has authority over life and over death. He's the one who speaks and the dead are raised. Is it lawful to to heal on the Sabbath or not? And And they remain silent. And then Jesus gives them something for their watching eyes to see. Something for them to be upset about. He takes a man with palsy and he heals him. And he sends him home. And then, into the kind of astonished and continued silence of the Pharisees, Jesus says, Which of you, having a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? The Sabbath, Jesus is teaching, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees had, you see, they had taken and they turned everything around. Instead of understanding the law as a way to serve God and the neighbor... They had turned the law into rules for achieving their own righteousness. They had taken the law which teaches love for God and love for the neighbor and flipped it on its head and made the law into a way for sinners to exalt themselves before God. And this really pushes us to the second part of the text. Because not only were the Pharisees watching Jesus, Jesus was watching them, and he noticed how when they were coming into the feast, when they were coming into the meal, that they were always looking around so that they would take the best seat, the seat of honor. They all wanted to sit at the head of the table or be on the right hand of the host. Now, I don't know if we have this custom at least as much as they did in the days of Jesus. I I know that when I spent a summer in Fiji, this was a particularly important idea, where you sit, at the table, although they didn't have tables, where you sit at the floor around the kavabul. Everyone would sit in the back of the room, and it was, a, it was a kind of a momentous occasion when you were invited by the elders of the village to sit in the circle. You were being exalted, you see. And then you would move around the circle depending on your place. In society. No, no, sit over here. That means, oops, I did something wrong. <laughs> or sit over here and things were going well. And in fact, they would determine this by whoever would, the, the chief would always be the first one to have the drink and then the next drink would go to the next highest person in the circle and it would go down like this. So that where you were sitting determined your place, your station, you see? we have that custom a little bit i suppose at the head of the table being the seat of honor and especially like with weddings and things like this other formal events where the the families of the bride and the groom sit at the closest tables to them now jesus was watching the pharisees as they came into this room for the feast and he sees how they loved to to find the place of honor they wanted to sit in the best seat They would go and they would look and see, what seat will give me the highest place in this room? They are exalting themselves. And this is because, make no mistake, they had already exalted themselves in their own mind. So Jesus puts out a parable. And this parable is like throwing a grenade into the midst of all of these self-exalting Pharisees. He says this, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, Do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you, being invited by him, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this other person. And then you'll begin with shame to take the lower place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he may see you and say, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored. In the presence of all who sit at table with you. Now, this parable might look at first like Jesus is simply giving some good practical advice. And I suppose it is good advice. When you go to a wedding, don't sit next to the bride and the groom. (laughs) Unless they say, hey, Brian, we're glad you're here. We saved you a seat over in the corner. (laughs) Go and take the far seat. And if they want you to come closer, they'll come and they'll get you and they'll put you where you want. Now, that's good advice. But Jesus is teaching something more. He's teaching the Pharisees and He's teaching us the profound spiritual truth. It's not not how to avoid embarrassment at a feast, but it's how to avoid shame on the day of judgment. Jesus finishes with this. For everyone who exalts himself... Will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees, so convinced of their own righteousness and goodness, had exalted themselves, and in so doing, they had set themselves against the God who humbles the proud and casts down the lofty. They were not only claiming the best seats at the feast, they they were claiming to be in good standing with God because of their works, because of their obedience, because of their keeping of the Sabbath laws and everything else. And this pride, this self-exaltation puts them in grave spiritual danger. And you too. And me. Your works cannot save you. This is what Jesus teaches. We're all tempted all of us, to trust in ourselves, to trust in our efforts, to trust in our goodness. But this is dangerous. More, it's perilous. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But everyone who humbles himself, says Jesus, will be exalted. It is the humbled That Jesus will save those who know their sin, those who know their failings, those who are brought low by the mirror of God's law, which puts all of our sin into the into contrast with God's own holiness. It's those who know that they don't even deserve to sit at the table that Jesus calls to sit at his right hand. It's we who know that we deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment, who hear that our sins are forgiven. It is the sick that this good physician comes to heal, and it is the dead that he will raise, the sinner that he will save. In other words, you. Jesus is interested in you. I'm a sinner. We say, I forgive you all your sins, says Jesus. Friend, move up higher. I've neglected my duty. I've failed at home and at work to love my neighbor as myself. We say, take and eat, Jesus says. Take and drink. This is the New Testament in my blood. Shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Friend, move up higher. I'm dying, we say. And my life is ending with shame and regret. But Jesus says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Friend, Move up higher. Do you see that the Pharisees were watching Jesus carefully to catch him, to trap him in something wrong, but but we are watching Jesus carefully for a different reason. To see what he will say and what he will do for us, and we see it. He dies for you. He rises for you. He loves you. He forgives you. This is your Jesus, the one who exalts the humble, the one who forgives your sins, the one who calls you to his his side with the kind words, Friend, come up higher. And he is your pride and joy. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.